Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Lavender Gooms. What's up, Bob? Also joining me this week, Kid Presentable. Hello to Bobby, Mike, and Mark. Not just you, Bob. Only Bobby. What's up, Bobby? Step on, shout out. Bobby, how you doing? Me and Mike both asked you. You didn't give us a response. I'm doing great. I, ju- I just uh, nice. did my civic duty and voted. Nice. Well yeah. done. You snuck into the polls early. Yeah, you know, I went in there, voted for myself three or four times. You got to do it a few nice. times to make sure it sticks. Did, I don't know if it was – you're voting in a different county than I am, so I don't know if we got the same. Was Kanye West running for vice president yeah. on yours? So this Come is what on. happened. Uh, Rocky, whatever his name is, who runs yeah, for everything, he just he just said, that's my vice president. And the party he's with said, okay, so Kanye West is on the ballot as the vice president. That's how he snuck in as someone who did do their paperwork? Yeah. Uh, so Kanye's, on. Kanye's on that ballot, folks. So if you are a bad person, go ahead and vote for him. Um, as always, you know, we're not really – we don't get political on this show. I mean, we would never be well, accused of that, right? Um, someone would have to listen and report us. Exactly. <laughs> I would just say, uh, vote for the one who you feel is not an asshole. I don't know about you, we, but I'm going to vote for a third party candidate. I'm. We, we there's not many areas that we are number one in um, sports podcasts or MMA podcasting, but I have to assume we are number one in mentions of uh, uh, who's that dictator? Kadyrov. Chechnyan dictator. No, we're number two. Number one is Luke Thomas. Luke Thomas. Luke Thomas has got like a three-hour daily podcast, man. The, the numbers willing, don't add up. I'm willing to give us the crown that we are the most liberal-leaning uh, MMA podcast. I mean, I guess we're not exactly this is not a liberal industry. And even Luke Thomas, he gets a little moderate, Bobby. He gets a little. I'm just moderate. saying, you you we we are just, hard left. We, we just had a conversation you and me before this started about the propositions and some of the ones I voted for. We're Republican ones, just saying. But uh, Bobby, you are a Republican. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely what people say when they see me. Um, all right, boys and girls, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things in MMA, a card that starts in the morning. That's what we got this weekend, this Saturday. It's going to be great. I'm going to tell you right now, the menu is a big pot of coffee, big ass omelet, maybe a piece of sourdough. That, that's what's going on in my say, VPN, illegal stream. <laughs> That we don't do that here. Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, Mark? we paid for oh, every on. single UFC pay per view. Okay, we're just we're boycotting the pay per view, but we're all gonna magically have seen the fights. Oh, it's right. yo, it's called Twitter. Yeah, man, <laughs> it's okay. called Twitter. Well, I, I call it MMA street, Core. Bro. Hey, I'm not streaming in illegally. I don't know how MMA Core is getting away with it. I'm just an innocent person <laughs> snooping in three hours later to watch the fight. We've, we've been doing this links pod- on Reddit. I'm just seeing what they're. We, we've been doing this podcast for eight years, and this is the one where the guys are like, "Fuck it." There we go. Do that. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I want Dana White to come. I'm going to show him my UFC DVD collection and say, hey, motherfucker, you think I didn't pay my dues? Speaking of collection, what would I do with it? I was 
packing up the apartment here a little bit, found my found a Pride DVD. And before we get any farther, I want to see if Mark can guess what some of the matches on this thing are. Without well, looking. I mean, you showed me it was it was Raging Rumble. The most egregious thing is you got it for ninety five cents. That's a travesty. That's yeah, a I got it at Rasputin, bro. <laughs> I know ninety five cents. Though. All right, come on, here we go. Get, let's see. How, you got a name. There's one, two, three, four, five. There's eight fights on this. You oh, give me all. Give me, give me, give me four. You, you kind of showed us the front, so we can see. Yeah, some the front definitely there. helps because it gives me some faces. Give me four fights. Well, I I'm pretty sure that's Jackson's debut against Sakuraba. Yes, sir. That's one. And then Heath Herring's on there, and that was before Championship Chaos. So it might have hey, been I, Mark Kerr. I was gonna give you a hint. It was gonna be clever, but you got it right. Okay. <laughs> Um, I was gonna be Hulk like Mark. What is? I was gonna be like Mark. What does Hulk do? And you would have said Smash and been like, Oh, Smashing Machine. Okay, anyway. Bo Chanchin's on there and little and, and Big Nog's on it. So it's e I think Big Nog. He either fought Goodridge or it's the Coleman fight. Nope, you got Goodridge. That's three. It was Goodridge. Okay, give me one more. Uh, and I mean, the only person I see on the cover is Igor. Let me tell you this. I'll tell you uh, okay. one of the fighters on this is okay. I'll give you two. I'll give you two fights where I'll give you one guy on him. Okay, and you okay. give me their okay. Opponent, okay? Oh. okay. I got Matsui. In one fight. Oh, three finals every card. Okay. Um, and I got, I'm gonna let you decide. I'm gonna give you two of them. You can have yeah. Valentine Overeem or you can have Stefan's favorite Gracie, Hyen. Um, okay. Well, I think if it's Valentine, he probably fought a Silva. Is like a, a Swerio Silva. It's A. Yeah, you got it. Silva. Okay. That was it. A Swerio Silva. Who did right. Igor fight? I know this is a stupid Igor fight. No one even is like wondering what the fuck. We're talking about the Pride uh, event. This is Pride 15, 15. Raging Rumble. Yeah. One it, of the best. Uh, it, I actually saw that because Stefan helped me bo buy bootlegged VHSs of 15 through 18. I was so excited. Let me ask you, Mark. Wait, if you bought this at like FYE or Sam Goody where you were getting your DVDs, how much would this have uh -huh. on you? Uh, I think they're all like 20 bucks now. Yeah. 95 cents. Rasputin. I, but I, think I paid like I think I think when I bought the tapes through Stefan, I paid like fifty bucks for four VHS copies. <laughs> Bobby, you're, you're, you're saying Fye, Fye was later. It was, was called Suncoast Sun Video. Oh, that's true. It was Suncoast. I remember. Yeah, I'm, do you guys remember? What, I mean, Mike doesn't, but do you remember when I used to buy VHS wrestling tapes? Those were the days. When Mark and I went into Suncoast together, an employee would inevitably follow us because they always thought we were going to steal shit. Oh, we, <laughs> we, we, we used to get followed around that Best Buy too. I remember. All right. Um, boys and girls, we're going to talk about Khabib and Gaethje. Um, that's gonna, that's this weekend. Uh, we also got Bobby Knuckles, Jared Cannonier on there. Uh, pretty decent card. Uh, we just lost, um, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Islam Makachev, which was going to be a fucking banger. But, uh, Rafael got COVID, I think. Um, or he withdrew. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember if it was Shame. COVID or not. And everybody's scared to fight Islam Makachev. Not kidding. That's the situation. No one's fighting Islam Makachev on like eight days notice. Um, and I think we lost Cynthia Calvillo from this yeah, card. She's going to fight Lauren Murphy. That was going to be a good one too. She got the COVID, right? She got COVID. Lauren Murphy's a real gamer and she's a scrapper. That would have been a good fight. Um, it would have been. It would have been fun. And we're going to lose Ian Kutelaba whenever they, whenever they test him, right? Like whatever they figure out where, what's Something's going on. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. We're going to lose that fight again. I mean, I, they've both gotten COVID at this point. I thought it was the yeah. same guy twice. It, wow. It's, it's amazing. And, and they, once again, it's the rematch that no one is asking for. Absolutely. Yeah. No one is asking for this rematch of an incredibly one-sided fight. Ion Kutelaba is. He wants his rematch. <laughs> well, he's the one that he, he 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 acted too well. He acted like he was knocked out so well it convinced the referees. So good job. <laughs> um, 
first off, though, we got to talk about this past weekend because Brian Ortega, last time we saw him, uh, he got his ass whooped bad by Max Holloway. Real bad. We hadn't seen him, saw him for two years. Um, he was slapping K-pop guys. Um, he's back now. And Mark, he put on, in my opinion, the most complete performance of his career, at least striking wise. It was a, I was so impressed with the strides he made in this, in this time off. Yeah, it was really interesting. You know, when we were breaking down the fight, uh, last time, you know, I know I mentioned it. I'm sure you guys did too about, you know, uh, Ortega's, you know, two years of non-action and how that was going to play into it. You know, if he was going to have the ring rust or whatever, after the show, I did read an interview where he basically talked about, you know, using the last two years to really kind of sharpen the tools he had. And obviously that Max uh, Holloway fight being his first loss, you know, really shined a light on the inefficiencies he had in the, in the stand-up game. Um, and in the interview, he basically said, you know, not only did he, you know, get that passion again for MMA, and he basically said, like, you know, he, leading up to that fight, he was becoming a big major superstar, you know, getting, was it Mo- Modelo commercials? And he, he said he was doing a lot of press stuff and, and really living the rock style life, as it were. Um, but yeah, he he basically took these two years to really sharpen up the striking game. And it showed, uh, you know, in spades, you know, very quickly in this fight. Um, and I think the things that really threw uh, Korean Zombie uh, was very early in the fight when Brian Ortega was standing orthodox. Zombie did not have any problems pulling the trigger. Like he was very active. He was throwing a lot of punches, throwing low kicks. Um, when Ortega fought Southpaw, which he did the vast, vast majority of, the, of this entire fight, um, it really made Zombie hesitate. Um, it made him, you know, less active throwing. Um, and then to, you know, on the other end of that, Brian Ortega. Um, amazingly, you know, fighting from an unorthodox stance from him, because I think he's usually orthodox. I, I didn't do a lot of, like, you know, I didn't watch a lot of tape or anything. I, I have to imagine most of the time he's orthodox. And I think you're right. I, I, I yeah. mean, we'll, we'll, I, we'll know if we're wrong very quickly when this is all over, but I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, fighting that long, that much of the fight in your non-orthodox stance uh, and being as proficient as he was is extremely... I mean, that's something that takes, you know, years. That's something that he had to work on. He had to evaluate his stand-up game and be able to be offensive in both sides. And this is something that's really interesting in MMA. Um, You usually, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't see guys switching stance very often at all. And then even the last couple years, you know, we saw TJ doing it a lot at first, but a lot of times he would switch stance and he, his offense was very limited. He had a high kick and that was pretty much it. You knew when he switched stance, what he was setting up for. Now we're seeing with guys like Holloway, when you can flow in and out of stances, you don't have to reset. And, and that's the the big factor in being able to fight from both sides is, you know, if you throw a kick and you're only used to standing orthodox and if your stance is then switched where your right freight, uh, right leg is in front, you have to reset. You basically have to get back into a fighting position. And in those transitions, you can get hurt. Guys being able to flow between both of them makes them constantly dangerous. It makes them able to weave in and out of punches, change stances, and still be offensive. And while we didn't see Ortega switching stances a lot, we saw him be extremely comfortable in the southpaw stance. And basically every round, he got off some significant offense that got him the rounds. I thought also, Mark, he did a really good job of he wasn't standing directly in front of Zombie. Like he was like moving side to side. Zombie couldn't go straight line at him at times. And it, I think it seemed like Zombie genuinely didn't know what to do after he got hit with the uh, with that spinning back elbow. Um, that took a yeah, lot out I of mean, him. He didn't really recover from that very well because it was it was close before that. 
to, to to break to break down the full fight, you know, in the first round, it was a very close round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ortega did make that change to Southpaw. I think it made Zombie a little hesitant. It took him a little while to get used to that. Um, and then Brian stole the round because basically uh, Zombie threw a kick. He grabbed the kick. He countered with a right. It was actually a left hand uh, from the Southpaw stance, and he dropped Zombie. It wasn't a huge damaging shot, but it floored him. It got him the round. And then, you know, basically where the whole fight just took a complete turn was the second round. Mm. Um, in the second round, we actually saw Korean Zombie get a lot more used to fighting uh, this guy in the Southpaw stance. He was basically winning that round. It looked like it, he had kind of changed the pace and was it was turning his way. And while he was coming forward, Brian Ortega masterfully did a spinning elbow when Zombie was rushing in. And that was the game changer. You know, it, Zombie showed, you know, a lot of resilience as he's known for not getting finished because you can see when that when that elbow landed. And luckily, it wasn't really the elbow. It was like the back of his bicep or whatever. But you can see, you know, Zombie's eyes rolled in the back of his head when he got knocked down. And for the rest of the fight... He, he was down. He was down a couple pegs. You know, he did not have the reflexes. He did not have the speed. He still had. He didn't have the confidence in himself. And the third round, you could see that. In the third round, it was just Brian on the outside, just picking him apart, getting points. In the fourth round is where Brian Ortega. I mean, another thing he did really well was he constantly his offense was all over the board to the legs, to the body, to the head, shooting takedowns. Not even and when the takedowns didn't land, and he really wasn't able to get Zombie down for any decent amount of time to really work a ground game. Every time of those takedowns failed, right when he was about to lose a takedown, he threw a strike and, and often landed with those. In the fourth round is where there was a clash of heads. Zombie got a cut. And, and that was another kind of telling point where basically Zombie had this cut. And it, it wasn't even that the cut was like bleeding into his eyes, but you can just tell it, it really affected him. He constantly was wiping at it. Not was he just wiping at it to like, oh, it's getting in my eyes. But he was wiping his cut and then looking at his hand to see like, oh, is there actually blood here? And it seemed like that's just... When you're doing that, it's just like you're not focused on the fight anymore. You're focused about this cut. You're looking for blood. I mean, it's one thing if it's getting in the eye and you're trying to wipe your eyes so you can see, but it's another thing to swipe the cut and look at your hand to see if there's blood there. It's just you don't you should not be taking that focus off. I think um, an interesting thing he chimed in and also from the strike, I think, you know, you said he didn't land it flush, but that kind of spinning Attempted back elbow, we'll call it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it landed pretty good. Uh, according to Zombie, he doesn't remember rounds three through five. Un- not he, surprising. He, he looks like it. Yeah, he, he, got, like he got he got he got nailed. Yeah, <laughs> he, he looked like he got concussed, and then he fought concussed because yeah, like you said his attention wasn't there. He 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 had no trigger anymore. He couldn't throw the punches. He was there, but he wasn't there. The rest it was of the am- fight. it was amazing that he made it out of that round. Yeah, all yeah. things considered. Yeah, and then and, and I think you know it, if Zombie didn't bring it up himself, I was going to bring that up because you could definitely see like he wasn't quite fighting the same. And in the fifth and final round, I actually thought Zombie was doing the things he needed to do, and Brian still won that round. You know, I thought he was a lot more aggressive. He was coming forward. He was trying to trap uh, Brian against the cage, and Brian still was able to to pick him apart on the outside. So yeah, Bobby, this was a fantastic performance. You know, it, and and what was so surprising was I didn't watch this fight live, so I looked at the results and I saw Brian Ortega wins a decision in a masterful way, and I was like. What the, that doesn't compute. That's not how Brian Ortega. You, you, you were probably thinking you're like you're like did he just run a jujitsu clinic for five rounds? I didn't even like, think that it was just like because I, I think they might even said it was stand up. It's just like because even then it's like Ortega doesn't like he doesn't run a master class on the ground. He fucking subs you. Like he gets yeah. you on the ground, you're fucking done. Yeah, you know. So like just to see like I was just like this was not an outcome I really saw. Um, and even even you know having read an article about him really taking these last two years to really figure out not even not just the striking game but just like his general health you know he said he basically well, didn't Marcus, have any nutrition. He also, pardon me he also like changed his entire team the only guy yeah, who I remained didn't read that in the interview yeah but. the only guy who remained is uh henner 
his uh, jujitsu coach. And, I mean, the guy he was talking about in the commercial where he met the coach and that guy's not his coach anymore. And his coaches now are a bunch of guys at the Huntington Beach uh, Training Center, which I think is the old Ruka gym or something. I, I, I know mm-hmm. that his coaches, uh, Paul Herrera, I guess been an MMA coach for a while. I've heard that name before. Um, Jason Park um, and uh, Tiki Gosen, a guy we like to, you know, there's always jokes about Tiki, but Tiki is a real coach now these days, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, not necessarily a camp. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a camp that we really associate with like champions and stuff like that, but it kind of just shows you what Ortega was working with before, which was very rudimentary stand-up, and he was making it work. Like, he was getting knockouts. He was winning fights. But, you know, that Holloway loss, I think, really opened his eyes and has made him a much stronger fighter. He's so. still at the point in his career where you can see giant gains between his fights in terms yeah, of ability. Yeah. So, um, mm, sorry, you got something else? Apologize. I was just going to say, you know, the other piece of the puzzle that I think is still missing, and if he works on that, he's really going to be a threat, is, is his wrestling. If he can confirm these takedowns and get these guys on the mat, I think, you know, guys like uh, Alexander stuff are going to well, have You read problems. my mind, man, because here we go, Alexander, Mike. Um, they said it. The winner of this fight's the number one contender for Alex Volkanovski's title. I guess we're not doing uh Max and Alex three. Um, so what do you got, man? Do we do we see is Brian Ortega the one to take the title off Volkanovski? How much of a threat is he? I have to assume that the UFC was listening to our podcast last week, and they decided, you know what, we can't do this foolishness and have Holloway fight him again for the third time. I think Max Holloway's like, you want me to make one forty five again? Fuck this! I won that second fight. Leave me alone. You know. <laughs> I think that Ortega has a good shot of beating Volkanovski. Um, Ortega has evolved a lot since his fight against Holloway two years ago. Um, if this Ortega go- gets into the ring with Volkanovski, I think he has a good shot. I don't know if he would win, but um, I think it would be a good, hard five rounds. He's In my head, he's bigger than Volkanovski, but Volkanovski's got a sizable reach, right? That's part is, of what Volkanovski... Isn't, is Volkanovski very short, or am I just... He's kind of stocky. He's stocky, but he has long-ass arms. Like He's got like longer reach than Max, I remember, and Max got a pretty decent reach. I think the harder thing to judge with Volkanovski is also like, which Volkanovski are we getting? The one that beat Max the first time and very thoroughly beat Max and very thoroughly shut him down was not the same Max that arguably lost in the rematch. He he suddenly didn't have his combination. Not anymore. the same Alex. Suddenly, meant. Or sorry, same uh, Max Holloway, I mean. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, so we've seen two drastically different versions of Volkanovski as well, so it really does matter. It, it looked, honestly, Steph it felt like he, Steph, it felt like he didn't make any a lot of adjustments going into the second Max fight. Like he's like, I won the first one, I've got this, and it's kind of I, like he didn't like. I guess when you win as one sided as he did, maybe he thinks he doesn't need to make adjustments. But Max kind of was like, okay, I've kind of figured out what I need to do against this. I guy. mean, yeah, it's, it's tough for me to say, like, because well, what did Max do to adjust? But like I said, Volkanovski, he didn't fight the same. He didn't throw the combinations. It Volkanovski won off of the third punch of the fourth kick, and he just wasn't putting it, the feint, he wasn't controlling it, like, he he became responsive to Max, or more like, he was uh, just responding to what Max was doing in the second fight. Like I said, it's it's kind of who shows up. What do you uh, think about, I was gonna ask you, uh, Zombie, one of our favorites, um, I was reading today that someone was saying that if it wasn't for uh, Jay Park going on Ariel's show with Zombie and shit-talking Brian Ortega, which I guess is where this started, kind of, 
But basically the argument is Korean Zombie had earned a title shot already, but the UFC saw an opportunity here to like get a fight out of this story almost. Yeah. Um, here we are now. Zombie lost. He was on a two-fight win streak. We all recognize he's near the top of the division here, Steph, but I mean, he seems like he's devastated by the result here. What do you see coming from him coming out after this fight? Mm-hmm. It, it was a tough fight for him. Um, you know, I, I think we all kind of agree. He he seemed concussed from that point, so what we saw in the back half of the match, it's, it's tough to really gauge what that was. Um, if he wants to get back in, if they're doing Volkanovski-Ortega, fight Holloway. Um, yep. I think that's the fight to make. He that- spent $150,000 on this camp, he said. So, I mean, that's the thing is, if he fights Holloway and can win... He's right go. next up for the title. Yep. That's if he wants to stay title relevant. That's the fight to make. Because um, if that's if Ortega is getting the next shot, then Holloway doesn't have anything to do. We very so. much established two are the, the best four white fighters in this weight class. I'm trying to see if we're missing somebody though. Um, okay, well, there's somebody else that's coming too. Zabit's coming. That'd be a good fight too. Zombie and Zabit. Yeah, be- I mean, usually you don't go loser winner but in zombies case to be title relevant and because he's probably one of the most marketable fighters in this division um i see nothing wrong with fast tracking him and keeping him at the top of the title discussion so right now though i don't know if these rankings were updated before or after this fight card it's the ufc rankings too because you know grain of salt the size of a fucking boulder um volkanovsky's champ then max then ortega then zabit then zombie uh, then Yair and Calvin Cater. You know, Zombie's got to get back in there. Simple as that. If he, I mean, Zombie takes these long layoffs between fights, Steph. That's really the key here. If he wants to build any... I mean, he's got no momentum at the, mo- at the moment, but if he goes away for a year, it's going to feel like he's starting from scratch. There's that. Um, He might also want the Yair fight back. Um, yeah, he had that one beat one, too. He had that. He was, he, that one he was thoroughly winning until he got knocked he, out. He was up. It was, he was up. Three rounds to one or two. To, it was whatever it was. He The fifth round was his. It was, was going to be unanimous. Yeah, and then he got hit with the maybe the most ridiculous elbow anybody's ever going to see in an MMA fight. And it fight. turns out that might just be his weakness. He's susceptible to the spinning back elbow. Dude, I, yeah, I, 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 made a, I made a joke to Bobby during that fight because even the back elbow that Ortega hit with him, it it almost, it while we call it a spinning elbow, it didn't, there really wasn't that much of a spin. It almost looked like a back elbow that was out Dude, of desperation. This is it's, a, it's more of just a twist to the back. Look, guys, spin. you're missing the point. What it is is that Jericho stays influencing these kids, guys. Jericho's, <laughs> that finish is unbeatable. Spinning back elbow. All right? That's how you win shit, okay? Um, all right, Mike, Jessica Andrade went out there. Took care of Caitlin Chukasian. We, not one of us recognized while picking the fight last week that Andrade was fighting in her third UFC weight class. And uh, she went out there and beat the last number one contender of this weight class. And how long did that take, guys? Anybody have it up? Um, how many? Uh, how many uh, 4.57. So it was three seconds till the end of the round. Yeah. yeah. Took her about five minutes to put her away. Um, do we just send her out there against Valentina? Do we give her another one? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, um, Chukagan, Ch- Chukagan, Ch- Ch- blonde Ch- fighter, the blonde fighter, Caitlin. No, no, Caitlin. just I'll not the, Caitlin. not the. Her nickname is oh, blonde. Yeah. She's just her blonde fi- fighter. Her nickname literally is blonde fighter. Yeah, I'm not yeah. being disrespectful. That's actually her nickname. Also <laughs> descriptive. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Caitlin was the number one contender. Mm. Um, conceivably, if she won this fight, the next fight would have just been she was up to get, you know, a sacrifice to Shevchenko. Another one. So. 
What do you mean? She already sacrificed once to Shevchenko. Yeah, well, how many contenders are there at 125? I mean, Cynthia Calvillo's got COVID, so yeah. You're... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that um, Caitlin's uh, spot at the uh, at the sacrificial table um, has been cleared away, and it can be Jessica's turn this time. Does anybody think Jessica... I mean, look, any, anything can happen. This is MMA. Everybody loses. How much does she have for Valentina right now? I don't think very much. Um, let's face it. Jessica, well, she did show some improvement, um, I think, in her tactical ability in the in the Rose fight. But maybe naively, I still think of Jessica more as she's just stronger and bigger than all of these chicks. Um and for sure, power got her through uh, the, the the Caitlin fight. I mean that that body punch was uh, something to to behold. But Shevchenko is a, is a different type of human being. She's a different type of fighter. Um, just being stronger than Jessica isn't. I mean, just being stronger than Shevchenko isn't going to be enough. Steph, you got anything here? You think Valentina takes care of it, or Jessica if they fight? Um, yeah, I kind of see the size difference being a little bit much. Um. I think Andrade, she's just small, but tank like again tanky. It's it. She kind of just feels like a tweener. Like she seemed a little big for the other one. Not that she had ever trouble making weight, but she seems just a shade small for this one. Like I wouldn't. I I would expect Valentina to windle win handedly, but this is Andrade is the only former champion in this division besides Valentina. Uh, so it's the most name value fight they can possibly make let's not waste her on any other potential contenders because calvio i am not sold on her no like, there's just nobody there man i'm yeah, not saying it's even her she's four though but she's, the thing it's like that's the state of the division is like she's getting in there at a grit but Calvillo's not particularly great at anything you know she's three so, actually lauren murphy's four that would have been three versus four this weekend that really tells you something so yeah, I just think it, that's the fight to make. What else is there to do in this division? This division almost shouldn't look. Exist. This division is going to be safe once Amanda retires and Valentina decides she wants to be the 135 pound champion, because she didn't lose to anybody up there either besides Amanda. Um, it's not clear. I'm very biased in favor of Valentina Shevchenko at this point. Rest of this card, it existed. Um, J- James Krause went out there, got a nice win. Uh, I saw James Krause doesn't like. The kid with the spinning back kick. They have some beef, I guess. Um, Buckley, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, Buckley, if you go out there and lose to James Crouch, a lot of hype's going to go away. I mean, he already has a another fight scheduled. They I did? I don't oh, know yeah, they did, fighting. yeah. They got some white kid. He's fighting. Oh, yeah, because they don't want him working at CVS or wherever the hell he was working. It's a bad look. They got to give him another real fight. <laughs> what was he working? He worked something like that, something yeah, like that. He was like yeah. a ship. He was like a, sh- a ship leader manager. at Walgreens. Yeah, Walgreens, which is like... Um, a managerial position means like you're putting in forty hour weeks at least. You can't do that shit part time. It's like he's doing full shifts at uh, Walgreens and then hitting the mat. That's kind of insane. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. So I don't know if this got booked officially or not, but in the UFC Conor McGregor game of chicken, the UFC continues to lose because Conor McGregor's like, "All right, I'll fight in January." So here we are. He agreed to it. The other guy agreed to it. Connor said he'd like to do it in Texas if he could, because if you're going to have 10% capacity or whatever they do with these things, doing it in a 100,000 seat arena, I mean, Connor knows math. You know, you got $10,000. You got it. I mean, you got, yeah, you got, you got 10,000 people. You know, I I get the logic here. 
Isn't um, the answer Florida, since the governor doesn't care about human safety? Well, I think he said Texas, and Jerry Jones was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. Um, they don't care about do Texas or Florida, but everyone that's going to be in attendance has to get there two weeks early, test negative, and then quarantine for two weeks. And then they can, cr- they can cram them in. That's, that's the way, man. Let's get them in there. Um, when it gets booked, it gets booked. Huh? I guess that's it. I mean, what else are we going to say? I mean, I'd I mean like it looks to promising. It. I'd like to the see most it. Promising rumor so far. It sounds like they got contracts. And even when they said January after McGregor said, like, yeah, I want to do November, December, and then he agreed to that, it's like, okay, well, this dude, he's fucking ready to fight. So it seems like it's going to happen. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, Nate Diaz, uh, they should probably get booked at some point. What are we doing? Book some of these fighters, man. Book, book the ones. Book the guys who get paid. They get paid because people want to see them fight. How good you're you're selling eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand pay per views without your stars. Get them in there. Get sell two million pay per views. It might happen. We're all still at home. ESPN, the ESPN thing has been huge for the UFC. They're a big goddamn commercial for the UFC every day. It's working out great. Anyway, I just, I just would like to see, you know. It sounds like you know Dan Hooker is trying to fight Nate Diaz, and if that happens, okay, sure, Mark, whatever. Uh, Dan Hooker, sure. and Nate. I don't care. Fresh uh, matchups with these big stars like Nate and Jorge, I'm all for it. Just call Dan Hooker. Yeah, let's do you it. get I mean, get get Nate to fight Michael Chandler. Get Nate to fight fucking. I mean, these are all going to be really Tony Ferguson fight for him. You know, I like Nate as much as the next guy, but it's like let's not kid ourselves. Like you look at the dude's records. Like yeah, this guy can drop decisions. I think Hooker. And Chandler are really tough calls for him, but I just want to see him fight. Win, lose, or draw. The guy's yeah, just give fun. Give him so Tony. There. What's Tony up to? Get Tony. Oh, in there. these are all great. These are all fights. I think this, this is the UFC. Loses, this is the fun. this is the UFC lightweight division. All the fights are good. Just give me anybody in the top ten against anybody else in the top ten. Let's do it. Um, fuck it. Let's just get into this fight card. Um, UFC two hundred and fifty four coming to you from Fight Island. Fight I- Island. I can't talk. Fight Island. Being broadcast at a time that is convenient to the dictator that signs Khabib's paychecks. Um, 11 a.m. Pacific time main card. Uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Mike's going to be having himself lunch. We'll be having breakfast while we follow the event on Twitter. Okay, on Twitter. Um, you know, like, Bob, Bob is here talking about it's convenient for the dictator. Sir, it's convenient for all of us, all right? You know what? Maybe the fight card ends early. Ends. You know, we roll right into a game of Among, Among Us, huh? We're, you know, we just do it like that. We'll have the whole day. We'll have the whole day. Um, Justin Gaethje, Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, D- Dustin. Justin is the interim champion. Everybody forgot about that. Uh, Justin also threw the belt on the ground when they gave it to him because he said he wants the real one. Um, I know I've been tooting the horn of Justin Gaethje since he showed up. Before he was showed up, when he was in the fucking World Series of Fighting. Betting odds for this one, Steph, are not looking good for the highlight. Just uh, yeah, so you, Bobby, after all that preamble, you better not back the fuck out now. Oh, I am. Because your boy is plus 285 to let, minus let, 345. Let me tell you when he stopped being my boy. is when I saw a picture of him and the president and Ali Abdelaziz and Dana White. And I'm like, this is like the fucking... The, the four horsemen of the apocalypse right He's here. He's doing a favor, Bob. He's like, look, if Bobby's going to, it's going to be yeah, hard it's gonna, for it's, Bobby to pick against yeah, you. Yeah, now it, now it made it real easy. No, honestly, um, for the sake of everybody's entertainment, Gaethje winning would be cool as hell. Let's be honest. It would be cool as hell to see that. But 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's a good wrestler, but he's not Khabib. I don't know how he's going to stop, oh, stop this. Uh, by the way, Stefan, why don't you pick what order we're picking for these fights in? I'm about to do it. So, but go ahead, pick the order. Well, I'm going to go first because I'm going to pick my boy. Been my boy for a damn long time. Champion in waiting and champion now. Uh, Khabib has imposed his absolute fucking will on everyone. Ooh, yeah, he um, it's not just that he wins. It's that he just, no one, any, no one makes it interesting against him. You know, he practiced his boxing against fucking uh, the real estate guy you love, Bobby. What's his name? You fucking booing me? Are you gonna, first of all, we all love Ally Quinta now. All oh, right? oh, We're all on board, okay? <laughs> Ally Quinta's a, a class act. All right, he's the I fucking mean, most woke guy in MMA. He's out there you getting like him for all that shit. I like him for your fucking booing me. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my reason I like him. Wait, are you booing the decision? Or are you booing me? Are you booing me? That's why I like Outrage and Al. Um, but I mean, he just absolutely asserts his will, and you see it here. Um, I can't picture anyone taking down Justin, but it's gonna happen here. Justin will throw one. It's what every single Khabib fight looks like. And it's that glint of hope. It's that glint of hope. Maybe they'll knock him out before he gets his hands on him. But he always fucking gets his hands on them. Um, death taxes and Khabib takedown. Those are the constants. And John Jones getting arrested. Let's let's. Uh, those are the those are the four. Uh, so horsemen, Bob. we got um, a, we got a pick for Khabib here. The minus three fifty favorite was it roughly three? Yeah. Three. Okay. Uh, who's next, buddy? Mark, you're the champion. Why don't you make a champion's pick? Yeah, I mean, it's... The champ you know, is here. I, the champ is here. I'll give you your introduction, man. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. But, I mean, this is tough. Uh, it's it's hard to pick against Habib, uh, just because of what you laid out. You know, he's been extremely unstoppable. That all being said, we all know how he loses this fight. You know, his stand-up's pretty atrocious. It's pretty basic. It gets to round three and, or four, brother. That's why we guess that's how he loses this fight. If <laughs> he's still there, they got the guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, but, I mean, the thing is, is, like, we know, we'll know pretty quickly. This is, yeah. I think this is definitely a fight where, you know, if Habib gets him down early, because really... It's not just that he takes these guys down. It's that he fucking rides them like a Bronco. And these dudes aren't Broncos. You know, they they wilt and they die. You know, by the second or third round, these guys are already done. And it's just Habib getting them to the ground, mashing their face in, and then telling them to give up and quit because this is only going to get worse for them. Um, you know, Justin definitely has that wrestling pedigree, which you can kind of pull up and be like, oh, maybe he can stop the thing that no one else has been able to stop. You look at the other wrestlers he's fought in, and there's not a ton, you know, you look at, um, there was Al and then there was, um, what's his face? Michael Johnson, I think. But, you know, we don't see Justin wrestle, uh, you know, uh, actively or defensively really. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting in the standup. It always is in the beginning. Cause you know, can Justin catch him early on? Can he catch him coming in? And if he gets his arms around him, can Justin fend that off? And even if he can fend it off, it's not even that like, Justin Gaethje might be able to fend off, but if he's wasting rounds and energy, being defensive, you know, fighting underhooks, getting to his knees and having to get back up, like that's he's not going to win rounds that way, and he's going to get fucking tired, you know. So it's it's really going to be can can Justin Gaethje manage the stamina? Can he manage the the uh, the free movement to, to spots where he doesn't get clinched up? It, it's hard because you know Habib. There's one, you know, his stand-up's rudimentary, but what he does, he just fucking bum-rushes you, you know? And if you don't angle out, he's going to get you up against the cage. And once he has those hands locked, the round's over, you know? And the thing I love with Habib and a lot of these Dakistani wrestlers is they the way they ride you, it makes the other person feel like they're doing okay. Because he'll take you down, he'll let you climb to your base again, like you're about to get back up. He'll let you stand up, but he has your back. And you think you're up, but you're not up. 
you're just you're just momentarily standing on your feet before he slams you back down and you work you work those positions all over again. So yeah, I mean I got Habib. Like you said, Bobby, I, I you know, as much as I don't like the man outside the cage, I love Justin in the cage. He's so exciting. He'd be a fantastic champion. Um, but this is just a fight where it's it, it's you'd be kind of foolish to pick against Habib. You know, there's really no science. There's no ta- you know, there's nothing back there to to help you back your claim besides you just like the way Justin fights and he's fucking he gets in there and he makes it dirty and he gets wins. But I, I really don't think you're going to be able to make like a tactical reason why you think Justin is going to do better than Habib because the science just isn't there. So I got to be. And uh, Bob, you already conceded that uh, you're not going to ride with your boy, your day one, your man that you grew up with. Neighbors, families know each other. You love him so much. You mean cousin Mike? Justin? Oh, no, I, no, I, 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 wait, I have something to say, actually. <laughs> Do you know Justin Gaethje? Jesus Christ. No, <laughs> he's making a joke. Um, oh. I'll say this before you go. I think, obviously, I picked Khabib. Um, the one thing, the only chance Justin has, in my opinion, that I think is different than the other guys that we talk about. They have to, like, Connor, where we're like, he's got to land something in the first round or some shit like that. Justin's got a better gas tank, I think, than I'm going to say everybody in this division. I was going to say Tony Ferguson is the only other one, but he beat Tony. You're not even talking about gas tank, but you're talking about strength of will. He also does. He he won't. mentally do not break. Yeah. um, They'll lose, but they don't break. It's a little both. Yeah, so Justin honestly says, he's one of those people who says he's he's willing to die in the octagon, and I believe him. Um, He for right or wrong has has got this belief in himself and he and power of self-belief is a motherfucker so his only chance and obviously he could get an early knockout like anybody could i think that if it's round three or four and he's still there and he's still got energy and one of those rounds starts and khabib doesn't get tired grappling but you know the round starts starts standing that's the only chance he got is if he like round three or four he starts opening up on him early I just don't see it happening because the man. There's no evidence. Mark said it himself. There's no. Ev- there's no evidence of this happening with Habib. You this bring up a good happen. point though, Bob. Because you're right, Habib. He gets tired. We, we've seen him. Th- the thing is, he gets tired. The other dude's exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> when well, Habib's I, tired, the other dude's on fumes. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to mention is, and I don't want to bring this up just to be a dick, but I mean, I'm not even me being a dick. Um, his dad passed away, and Habib. This isn't like. I mean, we all love our parents. Um, and family and familial, you know, and parental death affects people different ways. But people were talking like this dude wasn't going to come back. Um, if you ever listen to Khabib talk for years, it's always been, I do this to honor my father. I do this to honor my father. I do that to honor my father. I disappointed my father with that, with jumping the cage. It was the worst part for him was that he disappointed his father. You know, the stuff that Connor said about his dad was the stuff that got to him. The man had a, that, like, uh, I think his name was Abdul, um, um, Nurmagomedov, Abdulamop, sorry. Um, Abdulamop was like his, like, not to get cheesy here, but that's his North Star, is his dad. That was his North Star. So I'm genuinely curious about what we're going to see out there. It could mean one way or another. You know, some guys, like, he might Sometimes just. Sometimes it's a motivating yeah. factor. Hey, man, right? Brett, Sometimes Brett, you're motivated. Brett, was it that. Brett Favre's dad died on a Sunday? He went, to the, he went to the funeral on a Sunday. The next day, he threw four touchdowns against the Raiders on national TV. Like, shit Ian happens. Freeman's not even, dad uh, died. Not even fought. that he went to the funeral the day before. His dad literally died the day before. Yeah, and, yeah that was Ian dad, Freeman yeah. fought Frank Mir like four days after his dad died. 
and he shocked the world. Yeah. Then Things Jake Shields' dad died, and GSP wiped the floor with them. So it affects people differently. Yeah. So you just never know. Yeah. So I, um, I think that's uh, the other X factor. Uh, since you mentioned his name, Mark, the biggest reason is the karmic reason Justin Gaethje will win is because we are on the cusp of Khabib saying he wants his retirement match against GSP, and GSP saying he'll come out of retirement for Khabib. And like I said, that's that's and then, the then, and then Dana that's, White says, I will not pay either of you the amount of money you want for this fight to happen. <laughs> and then they'll do it for charity with charity. each other. <laughs> so they, they, we've unlocked the code, Bobby. All I know is Habib versus GSP, that is the match of the millennium. That is the last MMA fight I can truly be excited for. But anyways, back to the picks. Mike, you want to give up your progress or do you want to no. have championship no. balls here? No, 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 no. This is... This is not the fight where I go against Mark. Is I it like picking it. a cyborg, Mike? Are you going with a sure thing of uh, picking the known champion? No, I, I, it's not just the fact that go with the known champion. I know both of these people. And outside of Gaethje hitting this guy with something in the first round, I don't see how he wins. I mean, sure, Gaethje's got a gas tank. Let's see how good that gas tank is in the third, fourth, and fifth round when you know he's been... When he has a Dagestani backpack on him for, for the last 15 minutes. I don't care how good your will is. Once you're gassed, you're gassed. That's do you, do you think we see leg kicks? Because that's a big part of Justin's game. Do you think there's not going to be matter? Risk that takedown? Well, here's the thing. You risk that I don't think he's going to have time to throw leg kicks. He's already going to be thrown in the air like a pizza pie, right? There's not going to be that much standing <laughs> in general. I think we'll see one leg kick in the first round. And after that leg kick is thrown, he's going to get thrown to the ground. And then you won't see any more leg kicks. All right. What so I'm got- really hoping for and what will just truly make my day is uh, if while Habib is beating the shit out of Justin, he starts being like, George St. Pierre, you don't want to come out of retirement. You want to stay retired. You don't want what I'm going to do to you. Like when Habib starts talking shit to his future opponents, that is a master class Habib. Um, next fight we're picking the co-main event. And this is going to be a fun battle of what we think is going to happen versus what we want to happen. Possibly Robert Whitaker. Bobby Knuckles himself taking on Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer. Man, if I was if that's not his nickname, how racist was that? I'm, I'm pretty sure it is though. <laughs> like 75, 80% sure. Killer Gorilla is his nickname. Betting odds for this one, Stefan. <laughs> uh depending on where you go, it is either one of these guys is the favorite. Uh we usually go with five dimes as our go-to, which have Cannoneer at minus one fifteen. To Whitaker's minus one hundred and five, but uh, sports bet have Whitaker at the favorite at minus one hundred and twenty. So it's truly a coin flip double favorite match. Um, both of these guys got odds depending on who you go with. Steph, I'm be honest with you. I did not look at the odds when I first sent the link to you earlier, and now I'm looking at them like, wow. I people really see- don't know. Both both of them are the favorites depending on where you bet. Um, coming into this fight, Jared Cannonier is on a bit of a run here, folks. Knocking dudes out, knocking out David Branch. Leg kick TKO on Anderson Silva. Don't have any memory of that. Um, knocking out Dancing Jack Hermanson in Hermanson's home country of Denmark. Bobby Knuckles. We didn't see Bobby Knuckles fight for a long time. And uh, Bobby Knuckles came back, beat up Darren Till. Um, I think he won three rounds in that one, maybe four. Do you guys remember that fight at all? Um, correct me if I'm Can't wrong. I remember Anything. Three rounds. It was a good, not great fight for Whitaker. Um, Three round victory, it looks like. Till was very conservative. He was, he hit all those critiques I had him. He gets very gun shy. 
he just kind of waits to counter and then ends up doing nothing for entire rounds. Um, so Izzy Adesanya said, Jared Cannonier, uh, he said, dominate Robert Whitaker, but fuck, man, you win. That's enough. Uh, and then get a title shot. And that's very much the case here. If, I mean, this isn't Izzy calling his own shots. This is recognizing the status of this division. The number one contender of this weight class will be Jared Cannonier if he wins this fight. He is currently uh, number three behind Whitaker and Paulo Costa. And behind him is Jack Hermanson and Yoel Romero. So this is Jared Cannonier's opportunity to get a title shot mike i'm gonna let you decide what order we pick this fight and i watch you pick mark first you are absolutely correct mark why don't you go first <laughs> yeah um I, I do agree with the line i think this is a tough fight to call um obviously jared has just been tearing it up moving to to middleweight stopped i mean and i think that last fight with jack Hermanson was probably the most um you know eye raising because you know Anderson Silva is a little past his prime, I think you can say at this point, and I don't think any of us are putting a ton of stock in. Was it Derek Brunson? Was it no David David Branch? So you know, I think Whitaker is a, a pretty big step up um, after uh, Jack Hermanson, and I am going with Whitaker, but I think Jared could present a lot of problems. I mean, obviously this dude just hit, hits like a Mack truck, and we've also seen that you know he's not just heavy handed; he does use his legs, um, and this weight class really seems to to have fit him the best. Um, I'm going with Whitaker because, you know, outside of the Izzy loss, which I think he looked a little a little iffy in, and the Darren Till fight wasn't super great. So I'm not not with a ton of confidence in my picking Whitaker, but I've always just found him to be a little bit more of a technical stand-up fighter. And that still raises alarms because Jared kind of could just blast through that. You know, it, when Whitaker's trying to gauge distance, you know, if Jared can get in the pocket and throw a big punch, you know, he can end this fight very quickly. So I'm going with Whitaker. You know, I think... Jared obviously is very much a live dog in this one. Um, and I'm not going to be surprised if he wins. And I'll actually, you know, I'll be kind of happy because I think Cannoneer and Izzy's kind of, it's a new look, right? Because I don't, Izzy I don't, I don't know who Izzy again. fights. Honestly, I don't know who Izzy fights if, if Cannoneer loses. Is it we just doing John Jones? Is that a real thing? That'd be, that'd be cool. Uh, but I don't know if they go back to Whitaker, right? I don't necessarily know if I want to see that fight right away. Unless Whitaker just looks like, if he just crushes Cannoneer here and he just looks awesome. There's a little bit more interest in seeing him go up against Izzy again, but not a ton. I want to see Izzy with, with new matchups. I think that's more exciting. Um, and Jared Cannonier would be a very exciting matchup for him because he's going to come straight at him, kind of like kind of like what we thought Paulo would do, um, but wasn't really able to to utilize those skills. Would Jared be able to? Hard to say. But um, if he looks good in this fight, you know, I think he definitely earns that title shot. So I'm going with Whitaker. I'm not going to be surprised if Cannonier pulls it off, though. Awesome. Um, I'll go next. I'm not picking against Mark just to pick against Mark this time. Um, I'm going to go with Jared on this one. When a fight is this close where you really can't determine who you, who you really think is would win, I enjoy these fights because then it means you can just go with your, at least for me, go with your desire. And for me, I want Jared Cannonier to win mainly for you know storyline sake is you already called him out i think that would be an interesting fight to to watch if he actually wins and then he's able to fight izzy it's a good really good division too bro honestly yeah, <laughs> i i don't want to watch uh whitaker fight izzy at least yet you know just because he got he got handled so so well in their fight that I need to see Whitaker look impressive uh, a few more times before he would even, you know, think to fight Izzy again. So 
for me, I'm, I'm picking Canningner just out of desire and my own self-interest. Steph, what do you got, man? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I get it. I see the, the thing. And I honestly, I think Romero took the best days off of Whitaker's career. Um, I think the mileage he absorbed from those battles was just, uh, it's why he looks different than his heyday. Man, they really made him fight him twice, huh? <laughs> but, um, that said, I think I'm buying low. I think the stock is really down on Robert, but I still like him. Um, I think Mark pointed out he's a tactical fighter. He's a counterfighter. And Till is a even more conservative counterfighter. And that led to a very, very ugly matchup. Um, Cannoneer's power might just be too much for Whitaker's chin at this point in his career. But if it goes how I think it's going to go, this is a fight in the wheelhouse of when Whitaker looks good. So uh, I was always a big fan of him as the champ. I know he didn't have his best showing against Izzy, but I fucking love the dude. So um, I'm hoping he gets back to form. And if he does, I think it's with a knockout. Bob, why don't you finish us off? I got Bobby Knuckles in this one. Um, I oh, do myself think, on this one. Yeah, I, I, I thought Steph was going to go Cannoneer, honestly, too. I thought Mark might go Cannoneer. Because I, I thought we all saw the same thing in that last Bobby Knuckles fight. But Stefan said it, you're buying low a little bit. I, he was, I mean, the way Bobby Knuckles was fighting before he lost to Izzy was a real sight to behold. And I know that was like a year and a half, two years ago. I think he's still young. I still think he has a lot left in the tank. Jared's a really good fighter, man. This line is the way it is for a reason. But Bobby Knuckles is tough. Tough, tough, tough. And I think he's going to find a way to win this. Um, next fight we're picking is, now that I missed the goddamn page, Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. A fight that I swear to God we've seen before. Like, no. It's just, it's, I can't believe we haven't. Um, we last saw Walt Harris coming back from real family tragedy with his uh, situation with his stepdaughter, uh, Alana, uh, fighting against Alistair Overeem. Didn't look good. He looked bad. He looked really bad in that fight. Um, last time we saw Alexander Volkov was when he got Curtis Razor bladed over three rounds. Um, five rounds. Five rounds. Yeah, he didn't have a lot for him there. Um, the ultimate decision on that one was uh, he got a round. Um, betting lines for this one, Stefan. It is Alexander Volkov coming in as a decent favorite at minus 170 to Walt Harris's plus 150. Mark, why don't you go ahead and uh, decide what order we're going here? Yeah. Oh, the order? Okay. Um, I will go with Bobby. Uh, got I, got, Bobby? I got Walt Harris. I think, Reasons, Walt Har- I, think, I think Walt Harris would be... I know he's a slight underdog. I know he's an underdog here. I think this betting line would be a little closer... I think a lot of people don't know where Walt Harris is at. And it's understandable, given what happened to him. It was a fucking horrible situation. Um, The murder of his child. Um, But Walt Harris before that, I thought we were really seeing him come into his own. Um, He had uh, won really four straight. That one against Arlovsky got overturned. I think he tested positive for some shit. I don't know. Um, but he's coming off of two win, two straight knockouts. 
Um, and I thought I, I thought he was going to beat Alistair, too. I mean, he didn't obviously show up for that one. He didn't look like he was all there. Some of this is me hoping, to be honest, because we I'm not saying we had a champion on our hands or anything, but Walt Harris looked like if he'd gotten past over him, it was one more at most. He would have won. It would have been three straight officially in that weight class. So I got Walt Harris getting it done here. And I've never been terribly impressed with Volkov, honestly. He's just kind of there. So there. All right, Steph, why don't you give us your rundown? Bob, I'm surprised you picked Walt Harris because during your whole analysis, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like your take of the Walt Harris and Overeem fight is very incorrect of what happened. Harris almost like wasn't there. Finished, Harris almost finished Overeem and then he gasped badly and Overeem made the comeback. I don't remember him almost finishing. I just remember him just having nothing in the second round. It looked like he, he didn't he train. He cracked Overeem and then he busted his wad trying to go for the finish. Didn't get it. Is that and what happened? Came back. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I, I think Steph is right. I think Steph I think, is right. It's like after he blew his load in the first, he he, he was just gassed in the second. And I, I don't know, man. I, I thought the whole narrative afterwards was like he came in, he came too soon, and also came back too soon, and also he was looked real soft, like softer well, than I usual. Think- I think I think it, do you guys remember? I thought Overeem finished him on the ground too. Like I think yeah, it took so him he took him down, down and, and took him down, down like immediately because yeah. he was absolutely gassed. But he cracked him and he wasn't able to finish with ground and pound. He was kind of just punching at nothing while Overeem covered up. Yeah, but people crack Overeem in every fight. That's just That's a true. Tuesday. I mean, but you're talking that he did terrible. And he I thought bad. he did. Honestly, he I thought he looked bad. Won by knockout. I mean, he almost uh, won by TKO. Like it doesn't change who I'm picking. Um, that's why I'm just shocked you're picking him because I remember that fight much more positively for him because I am also picking Walt Harris. Um, Volkov, but the thing is, if Volkov wins, it's the same exact way. It's that Walt Harris gasses and a simply better technical fighter just capitalizes on that in the latter two rounds. Um, but otherwise, yeah, Volkov is not particularly spectacular in any way. He doesn't have tremendous, like, anything. He's kind of slow, but he's credible he's credible at everything um so if yeah if harris doesn't knock him out in the first round i lose faith immediately but um i'm taking walt harris he's had more time to train um on you know the events of his life they're never going to be gone he's always going to carry them but they're more in the rear view for him to get a real training camp in there right the emotions were so high at the time that it was honestly a shock that that fight was even occurring um with i think some of us felt like maybe he just needed it right maybe he just needed a release for all these pent-up emotions he was having but um now he's he's had enough time to get a real camp in there so hopefully that helps that and he'll, he'll see what he did wrong in the ovarian fight obviously um so i liked him to continue his knocking out ways nice um and mike i'm gonna do you a favor and pick before you look and i'm setting you up for success baby now you just gotta knock the pins down um so I'm going to split the difference here, or I don't know if that's really accurate, but I'm going to go with Alexander uh, Volkov. Um, and really, um, I've seen Ale- I've seen a lot of looks with Alexander. I think what he's good at is he's a tall, lengthy guy, and he uses that reach pretty well. He's a pretty good stand-up fighter. And really, wh- where I'm also kind of banking some of this on is just doing some MMA math, baby. And it's not so much this guy beat that guy, but just looking at how Walt wins his fights. It's one way. He knocks you out. Um all 13 wins, all by knockout, which I think is fucking awesome, and I think you gotta you gotta tip your uh, cap off to him there. Um, but then when you look at um, Alexander, he's basically had this is going to be his 40th fight. He's gotten knocked out twice. So I'm looking at the math there, and this guy is at heavyweight. You know, he's fought some heavy hitters, and he's been able to beat them. So I'm I'm giving my my edge to Alexander. I think he's going to be able to frustrate 
Walt on the outside. If Walt can't get in and land those big punches, maybe the gas take plays uh, plays a factor. Especially, you know, I think what it is too is when you look at what Harris has been able to do in his last three fights. He hurts the guys early in the first round, and a lot of times he gets them out of there. Uh, if he doesn't do that with Alexander, like you guys mentioned as well, you know, I think the th- the second and third round could, you know, be big problems for Walt. Uh, so I'm going with Alexander in this one. Mike, you going to stick with the boys and try to get a lead here by going with Walt? Or are you going to side with me, the guy who's in the lead, and go with Alexander? I thought for sure all of us were going to pick Walt Harris. I'm going with Walt Harris as well. To me, Volkov hasn't looked good since the Derek Lewis fight. And even that fight, he lost I mean, that fight. even that fight he lost, um, some would say in, in a freak fashion, considering Derek Lewis got a, got a knockout with maybe 10, 15 seconds left. But, you know, nothing's impressive about beating, about going to unanimous decision against Greg Hardy. And, you know, then he got beat through, I wouldn't say thoroughly, but he got beat handily by, by, by Curtis Blades. Um, similar to what Steph said, Walt Harris, obviously losing a daughter is still semi-fresh. I've obviously never had children or, or lost any. So I have no idea how long that thing, something like that continues to affect you. So I am likely just talking straight out of my ass when, when I say this, but he has two fights now since you know since that tragedy occurred. Um, not saying that he doesn't think about it constantly, but he probably has maybe more focus to you know fo- to concentrate on the task at hand. So I think we'll see a much better conditioned Walt Harris uh, going into this fight, where you know he won't be gassed going into the second round like how he was in the over and fight nice all right the final fight we are picking oh is... uh, so we we can just skip that Bobby. well let me say what the fight is mike um Good point. Good magomed Ankaleov versus eon kutalaba um we picked this fight about a month and a half ago two months ago we all picked um the guy who won the first fight Ankalov. so we're just gonna keep saying that and eventually they'll fight again but I, that's our pick. Unless anybody already, feels otherwise. Put, I have already put Uncle Lev in as all of us. So all right. That, yeah. Go. Yeah, so we'll just add that on all future cards. Just yeah. like always. Just in case. That at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. That is our pick for that fight. Um, we lost, um, as I mentioned, we lost um, Islam Makachev versus Rafael Dos Anjos. And everybody is scared to fight uh, Islam Makachev on short notice. Um, so he doesn't get to fight anybody. And we lost Umar Nurmagomedov, who I think is a cousin. Not just trying to be funny. I think he's a cousin. And I think he, he was got... the biggest favorite on the card, too. Yeah, at minus he, he's sick and hospitalized. And they didn't say what, what he was sick with, but it's 2020. So let's just all make wild assumptions. They're not even that wild, honestly. Um, it's 2020. A healthy young man is in the hospital with an illness. So here you go. Um... Yeah, uh, also on the undercard here, we got Stefan Struve versus Tai Tuivasa. Um, a fight that Stefan Struve should really find a way to win this thing, man. Like, he's, no one's going to argue that Tuivasa's got more skills than him. But we also know, Steph, that Mr. Struve has no interest in stopping Samoans from getting close to his face, um, historically. 
So we'll see how that one goes for him. I mean, and then even when he finally fights well, a giant dude knees him in the dick three times, and another giant dude convinces him to keep going in the fight. Like, Struve can't catch a win in any regard in the cage. Uh, Cowboy Oliveira's on this card, too, um, fighting somebody. And uh, Sam Alvey is going to fight Da Eun Jung um, at light heavyweight. Is Sam Alvey always light heavyweight? How does Sam Alvey keep getting work? Because I swear they've wanted to cut him for at least three years now. Is he, is he, he waiting? Keep getting fights. I don't he know, has he's to a... be the shittiest, most active fighter on the roster. He's on a four-fight losing streak. All right, why is he not cut? Okay, and the whatever. fight be- and the fight before that was a split over y- uh, John Volante. I mean, you know what it's got to be. It's like they probably brought him to the office like five times now, and that fucker's just smiling the whole time. They just can't <laughs> bear to break that boy's little heart. So, like, you know what? You get another fight. Let's give you a fifth chance here, buddy. Um. So yeah. Uh. Also booked this week. Recent. I saw the news this today is the rematch between our favorite. Are you not I mean now that Michelle Waterson's gone? Might be Stefan's favorite. Um, Angela Hill versus Tisha Torres. Gonna run it back. That's I mean, a our, fight. Our, our, our lovable loser. Yeah. Angela just. We love Angela you Hill. You don't win anything, Angela. I just. Angela I Hill. You don't like, give her an easier fight. It's like, sure, he lost to Tisha Torres. You just lost to Waterson. It's like. Let's throw her back in with this. Like they don't give her any fucking. Yeah, Angela Hill got her got her fifth fight in in 2020. That's all that matters. Hey, that's a lot. That's she's got. She's gonna. They're gonna keep fucking her out of these. They're gonna keep screwing her out of these decisions. These splits. She's got. She's not getting the other half of that win bonus. So, show bonus. Yeah, San Diego rent ain't cheap, folks. Um, Two straight split losses. I did not think she won the Claudia one, but I did think she won the Michelle one personally. But the splits. What are you gonna do? Um, UFC's got it all to themselves this weekend. There's no Bellator card, from what I could tell. Bellator's not back till next week, uh, Thursday, with Douglas Lima and Gegard Mousasi. I'm saying the name of this fight because Bellator booked a fight that you might want to see. Gegard Mousasi, Douglas Lima. Um, also on that card is Nick Newell and, um, Jake Hager just, uh, agreed to take a fight today on a card that's next week. Wait, so, why not? Yeah, Jake Hager making his next appearance at Bellator. The former Jack Swagger, Jake Hager of AEW fame at the moment. Yo, gonna... yo, you already know what I'm thinking. You know who needs to come out on, in his corner. Who? I don't know which one we're talking about here, Jericho? In, in a circle, dog. They did last time. They did? The last well, time I mean, they got him Bellator? Yeah, he, well, Sammy was there. Sammy Guevara was there, and... um. Jer- ruined, Mike. It's already yeah, happened. Yeah, Jericho was. I don't think Jericho was there, but I know Sammy was there, and the um, the Puerto Ricanos were there also. They were they were there too. Santana and Ortiz. Santana and Ortiz. Yeah. Nice. Uh, or the New York Kenyos, as they call them, I guess. I don't know. I'm. I'm is that a New, thing? New York New Yorkans. New Yorkans. I can't. Think but I thought they were LAX. Aren't they used they're... to be? Well, that was Latin American Exchange. It didn't stand for Los Angeles back then. Okay, so they're not Southern California. No, nah, no, nah, they're. <laughs> They're from New York. Um, so yeah. Um, anyway, um, I think that's it. I think. I mean, this card's real early in the morning for some people. I mean, eleven a.m. on the West Coast main card's perfect time. So I'm still gonna watch some bad college football. That's what they're competing against. You said there's no belt, or they're competing against presumably the World Series because baseball's every single fucking day. Not and a, yeah, uh, and football. Yeah. By the football. way, fuck the Atlanta Braves. 
Come on, man. You couldn't put the Dodgers down? They had like a 3-1 lead. Anyway. Um, all right, guys. Let's do uh, let's do stuff we like. Um, but first, I'm just going to bring everybody down with some really sad breaking news. Um, so uh, Jeff Bridges has got cancer. Uh, the dude himself got lymphoma. He says his prognosis is good. But I just want to say what we've all said many times this year. Fuck this year. Fuck this year times a thousand. So hopefully Jeff Bridges is okay. And, uh, you know, he's able to recover. But fuck. I read that during the show and I was just like, God damn it. That sucked. Anyway, now that I brought us down, um, let's do stuff we like. I uh, watched a movie on that came out on Netflix this week. Uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, a movie written and directed by uh, Aaron Sorkin of A Few Good Men, West Wing, Social Network. Man's an accomplished writer. Um, and I'd forgotten he did A Few Good Men, which if you guys have not seen A good Few Good Men, that is, you know, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. It's that movie. So the man knows how to write a courtroom drama. This movie is about the trial of, uh, well, the Chicago 7. Um, a bunch of anti-war activists um, that protested the Vietnam War at the 1968 Democratic Convention. All hell broke loose. The police beat the fuck out of people in Chicago there. Um, when Nixon won that election and took office, he decided he needed to send a message that he was, you know, strong against hippies. So they rounded these guys up. And uh, try to charge them with inciting riots and stuff. Um, the movie's great, quite frankly. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. We got... Uh, I didn't know Sasha Baron Cohen is this good of an actor, guys. I like. I know he knows how to be Borat and he knows how to be Ali G. And we, you know, Booyaka Shah. Love the man. But the way he played Abby Hoffman... Like, I don't know a lot about Abby Hoffman. Like, I'm a nerd for some of this stuff, but, you know... It's the 60s. I bought it on every level. At no point did I think this is Borat playing this or somebody. I thought he was Abby Hoffman. Um, great work. I thought... Um, you didn't like him as some character in the theatrical version of Les Mis? I liked him in the Sweeney Todd as the guy getting his throat slit by Johnny Depp. I don't know the name of any characters in Les Mis, but he's yeah. one of the prominent ones. I believe he kidnaps a child. Uh, I, I'm honestly, I didn't see, I didn't see that, but honestly, I was so impressed with him. Another person who was really good was, uh, I don't say this guy's name right, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen, um, the pride of West Oakland, aka uh, Doctor Manhattan, aka, AKA Mansa. Exactly. Um, he also he, in this movie, he plays. He was playing just fucking legendary figures. Goddamn Bobby Seal plays Bobby Seal. Um, the person who was charged probably in this one mostly because they had to charge a black guy. And AKA, figure, also known as the head of the Black Panthers. He wasn't at the time. Fred Hampton that's they, was... That's what, they, that's what they said in the movie. No, Fred Hampton. He was the leader? Fred Hampton was the leader, the guy sitting behind him. Oh, who's, who's, who the hell is Bobby Seale? He's just part of the Black Panthers. Oh. I don't know if he was later the head of the Black Panthers. He wasn't then. Um, I didn't know you watched the movie. Um, and then I always get the guy's name wrong so i'm looking at it now the guy uh eddie raymond Ray, eddie redmayne he played um uh hawking stephen hawking 
He was also in Les Mis as one of the central figures. I don't know the name of anyone. In that he was al- he was also in uh, the Fantastic Beast movies. Yes. I saw one of those. He was he was all he was good in that too. He was really good in this as Tom Hayden. Um, and Frank Langella is good in everything. He was the judge, and you know, I know Stefan loves him. Some Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the torn you know prosecutor from the government side. Straight up, this movie is very much worth your time. If you don't give a shit about. 60s politics, it doesn't matter. This is just really well done and compelling. Um, everybody's good in it. And it's a Sorkin joint, so the dialogue is going to be on point. Mike, you watched it too. What'd you think? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I uh, concur with everything you said. I thought it was a very riveting movie. Um, one thing that it made me think, and it's really a, a stupid thought, was man. People really had it rough in the 60s and before, you know, fighting for things that, um, you know, we, you know, three-fourths of this podcast are minorities in this country, you know. Um, Not that we take for granted, but we tend not to give it a a second thought, you know, um, the things these people were were fighting for um, and could have gone to jail for and died for, you know, in the case of uh, Fred Hampton, um, who was in the Black Panthers. Um, I did a quick Google search, Bobby. Uh, Bobby Seale f- co-founded the Black Panthers. So I think he was the leader. He was the national chairman. What does that um, mean? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know the. I don't know the structure of the. Fred Hampton was the leader. No. Uh. Well, at least according to Wikipedia, Bobby Seale and Huey P. Newton, otherwise okay. known as Huey Freeman's namesake, yep. uh, co-founded the Black Panthers. Fair enough. Um, All right. I think Bobby. Um, I think Bobby Seal says sells barbecue sauce now. He is still alive. I'm not kidding. So, I think he sells barbecue sauce. I could be wrong about this. I really hope it's Black Panther. You know, uh, associated like barbecue sauce. You know, I could be mixing him up with uh, another member of the Black Panther Party. Anyway, but yeah, you like the flick too? <laughs> I I really enjoyed it. A less depressing movie <laughs> that I watched this uh, weekend that I really enjoyed was a Bobby recommendation. Not even really a recommendation. You just kind of said it offhand in one of our conversations this weekend was John Favreau's Chef. I don't know how we got to talking about it, but you mentioned it and you said you liked it. And I said I had never watched it. So I looked through whatever streaming services I, I had and found one that had it and gave it a gave it a watch. So in case you guys are wondering what Chef is, it's pretty self-explanatory. John Favreau is a chef, and the whole movie is basically him just cooking food. Yeah, very good. Um, that movie it's is a father son story. Yes, there's with that good food. It is. It's very much a father son dynamic. It is John Favreau calling in every favor he's got because all the Avengers show up basically. And, and also, <laughs> that movie is less believable than Iron Man, which many like a good part of the Iron Man cast is in this movie. In that. John Favreau impregnated Sofia Vergara. Yep, there it is. <laughs> and was tapping Scarlett Johansson. That's right. Ex girlfriend Sofia Vergara, current girlfriend Scarlett Johansson. I, I, that movie is why I got into cooking. Quite frankly, that I man, mean, that man, man made a, he made pasta. He made pasta for Scarlett Johansson, and I was that, that landed her. I'm like, that's how it's done. Okay, Look, John Favreau is about to be. He's any day now. He's going to get to call the shots for Star Wars over at Disney. Um, this man has cachet and power. Put some respect on his name. He can get himself some babes. Yeah. Um, 
Do you have more, Mike? I actually still had some. Uh, Mike, did you have good food while watching it? Because that's my one recommendation is like have something credible to eat while you're watching this movie. Otherwise, it's just like depressing if you're eating potato chips while they're Uh, going like five stars. Dude, I told you that's how I got into cooking was because I was making dinner at the time. And I'm like, I am not putting the effort into that. I got to do better than this. (laughs) Well, I watched the movie on a whim last night. So what my dining experience was as I watched Chef was like little Oreo bites and ice cream that I took way too much of. And I ended up dumping about three quarters of it. So it wasn't the greatest culinary experience while watching chef. Um, I uh, had another thing and I was reminded of it today. Cause I sent this to Mike, um, a little mini documentary made by a guy on YouTube named Kento Bento. Um, I don't know if you watched it actually, Mike or later, but it was, uh, this guy may, makes little, like, animated documentaries about basically South Asia. And um, the one I watched is from the time that WCW ran a wrestling show in North Korea back in 1995. And uh, that's a crazy story to begin with. But I the way he did it uh, was really well done. And uh, that, that's, I mean... For the good love of God, the North Korean government beat up Scott Norton. It's not cool. Uh, and I'm just going to dovetail into that, into the news that see, that uh, Dark Side of the Ring Season 3 is coming. And one of the stories will be about the time WCW ran that North Korean show, so I'm excited for that. And hopefully we get more D'Lo Brown. And I'm just waiting for Mark to watch the goddamn New Jack episode, Mike. That's all I really want. Oh, yeah. Haven't done that yet. Just got to watch it. Oh, you can watch the other episodes, too. But the New Jack episode is the one just for peak D'Lo Brown. (laughs) And this may be the craziest motherfucker ever. Um, That's what I got this week. Mike, did you have anything else besides the two flicks? Nothing for me. All right, Steph, what do you got this week? Um, speaking of Netflix, so um, I, I often uh, give my takes on the K-pop. Now, I know it's not accessible for everyone. It's not a language everyone speaks. Uh, people don't know necessarily where to go seek out this music. Well, a lot of you motherfuckers got Netflix, and a lot of people gave it a shot because um, I saw it as trending in the top five, but I watched Blackpink's Netflix documentary, Light Up the Sky. Um, nice hour and a half uh, documentary. Um not a lot of too much new information, but it was just cool seeing them get the full English treatment. Um, you know, the doc introduces what is K-pop. Uh, I figured they would do that just because, you know, the industry and the genre itself, uh, it's still foreign to a lot of people. Um, but three of the four girls, they speak English. You know, you got a bit of their life stories. Um, we talked to the producer, Teddy. Um, and if anyone who does listen to K-pop, you know, Teddy is one of the most prolific producers in the uh industry's history um he's basically the one who kind of runs the show for their creative direction but um that was just really cool it covers them headlining at coachella uh it covers their found their formation and where they all came from and it leads a lot into them recording the studio album that they released uh their first studio album in their four years existence which came out maybe like just a week or two ago um pretty recently so um, it was just cool seeing that. It's cool seeing that Netflix picked them up as a platform. You know, it just really shows how big and the reach they have. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm still only two episodes into Bly Manor. I just can't seem to pick it back up. 
Um, it's not that I dislike it, but it's just one of those things that I lost momentum. And anytime I'm about to watch it, I end up watching things like this uh, documentary again. So um, I'm meaning to continue on. I told Mark, uh, that little boy, that motherfucker has the rear naked choke to end all rear naked chokes because he is just putting everyone to a sleep in that second episode. Um, there's our MMA connection. But uh, if you got any interest or openness to Blackpink, they got a documentary on Netflix. Check it out. Marcus, what do you got this week, man? Yeah, not a lot. There is nothing really coming on the horizon for games. And I was trying to think of like stuff I watched that'd be new and interesting over the last couple of weeks and not coming up with much. So the only thing I could really recommend is I, I guess it was about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Um, Cartoon Network uh, decided to cancel Venture Brothers. So we have been rewatching Venture Brothers. I, I really love that show. I think it's really good. Um, I think the tough part is it is on Hulu, which is nice. It sucks. There's commercials. What's really tough is the first two seasons from were from like 04, 06. So that shit ain't, ain't in HD. So it's standard def. So it basically means there's huge fucking borders around. And, it, you know, in, in these times, it's a little tough to watch in this day and age. Um, once you get to season three and that shit goes, you know, full HD, it is. Oh, man, that feels so nice to actually see a full screen with nice crisp um, animation, stuff like that. But I really love that show. I think it's great. Um, it's a crime that it got canceled. It was the reasoning was so stupid. Cartoon Network was basically like it was their, it was going to be their last season and they pulled the plug on them and they said like, well, we still want to have Venture Brothers stuff. We just didn't want to do this. It was like, well, you're a Cartoon Network. Just let them do the last season, you chumps. Um, but yes, that got That's exactly what happened to Glow as well. They were yeah. greenlit for a final season, and then just like, never mind, guys, we don't want this anymore. Yeah, just, well, I mean, with, with the spit in the face is like, oh yeah, we still definitely want to do more Venture Brother stuff. It's like, well, then do the show, you idiots. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so the other thing that I'll say that's a new thing that's really dumb. It's just it's pure nostalgia. I think on my YouTube feed, I got one of these recommendations of like old retro commercials from 1980 whatevers. And I started watching that, and man, I really love that shit. That shit makes me feel so happy. Uh, and especially, you know, I think I said last week, you know, I don't have much affinity for stuff in the 80s, but there's just something about, like, how marketing was back in the 80s. Everything was just kind of over the top and silly, and I don't know. It was really fun. I really like watching that. So I've been watching, I think the guy's channel is called, called, like, Dave's Archives or something, and he has, it's been, like, five years he's been doing these little commercial compilations and stuff, and it's just, it's like, Slight tangent. Mark, do you know who Drew Gooden is on YouTube? Mm, I don't think I've seen him. Popular personality. It, I got sent down a similar but very different rabbit hole as you in time. He was reacting to coffee commercials from the 60s. Oh, okay. So even older. And every single one of them had the same theme of domestic abuse. And uh, <laughs> it's all husbands just being absolutely disappointed in their wives for their shitty cups of coffee. Like, well, that's kind of depressing. Uh, <laughs> I find the 80s and 90s uh, commercials to be more whimsical and kind of silly stupid, but that's it. You know, it, it's been kind of a slow week, I guess, in the stuff I like category, but that's what I got. All right. Um, that's it for this week. We're going to be back next week where we're going to talk about the result of this main event. See if we got ourselves a new champion. Probably not. Um we're going to pick a Bellator fight next week. Someone remember that I said this, please. Um, pick that Lima and Musasi fight. Um, one one more thing, Bobby. Sorry to interrupt you. Just a little update. Something you had said earlier. 
Bobby Seale did indeed do barbecue. He uh, wrote a cookbook in 1987 called Barbecuing with Bobby Seale, Hickory and Mesquite Recipes. See, Please there we continue. go. Wasn't talking out my ass entirely. Um, we're going to talk about that. Not that. We're going to talk about the results of this fast fight card. We're going to talk a little about Bellator. We're going to pick what is allegedly Anderson Silva's retirement fight next week. Um, Anderson is going to be taking on Uriah Hall, a matchup that, quite frankly, Uriah Hall has been dreaming about since he was like 18, probably. Um, Dustin Jacoby, which I was sure was in glory. Um, I guess he's back. I'm not thinking of the wrong guy here. I swear he was in, Bell in glory. He's back on that card. Um, Greg Hardy's on the card. Courtney Casey's on the card. That's, uh, you know, Kevin Holland is back on this card again. Uh, Andre Touchy Feely. Bobby Green, I feel, has fought six times this year. But he's on that card, too. So make some picks next week, too. Um, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, vote, everybody. Um, if you can vote by mail and you don't want to go in, this is it's your opportunity. Safe. It's safe to do. You can vote by mail. It's okay. I thought Mark was saying it's safe to go in. I mean, it could be, too. Um, but I mean, if you whatever vote. you got to do, do it. But you can mail in. Don't let the, oh. you know, don't buy into the hype. Yeah. Do you know what? If you're worried, just drive your ballot to the post office like I did. There you go. You yeah. Just dump it in a mailbox right there. It's right there. Um, you should vote, man, even if you disagree with me. I, you don't vote if you disagree with me. But in general, uh, you should vote. It's important. Because um, we don't vote, and all of a sudden, I mean, I look. What's the best, uh, that was the analogy I've heard about uh, voting? It's that, you know, not everybody, you know, you're like Biden isn't your perfect candidate, let's say. But it's not, uh, you're not looking for perfect. Voting is public transportation is the analogy and you're just hoping this bus that comes by gets you closer to where you're going so go vote folks that's my message <laughs> bobby's laissez-faire attitude towards the bus system too as long as you get me close to where i'm going that's yeah you just get have. me there hey man that's good advice Not and like uh go watch the simpsons episode about lisa goes to washington because it just makes you feel better Oh, I thought it was going to be the Halloween episode because my go-to quote is, well, fine, I'm going to vote for a third-party candidate. Go ahead. Throw your vote away. So don't yeah. fucking vote for a third-party candidate, goddammit. If you vote for Kanye West, don't come back. I'm not going to be talking about this podcast. I'm just saying just leave. Just keep walking. Just get out of that ballot box <laughs> and just keep going right to the ocean. Just ocean. walk off the edge of the flat earth, okay? <laughs> just, I don't know if Kanye's a flat earther. But fuck it. Let me just tack that on there, too. Um, all right, guys. Thank you all for listening. I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. See y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. Peace.